Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. It's so good to be with you tonight. You know, I met some new friends who haven't been at church for a while, and I said, I haven't been here for a while either, so thank you for chatting to me. And you know, people that came back, well done. You know, it's great to see you. And those online, thank you for having me in your lounge room. You know, it was wonderful. Um, In COVID in Melbourne, we were shut in. That wasn't wonderful. That was dreadful. Never happened again. Um, But what was wonderful was being able to be in everybody's homes and just seeing what God was able to do. Now, generally in life, there are people who are really courageous and people who are not. Who are the people here that love the scary rides? You know, you got to, it's like, yes, bring on those scary rides. You know, your dream is to jump out of a plane. You know, it's like, bring it on. You're just kind of one of those people that just love to step up to the plate. You're people full of courage. I want to tell you, that's not me. <laughs> You know, I don't like going on scary rides. I just get sick. I don't want to jump out of a plane. But what I know is this, that one of the most popular Christian songs of all times is Oceans, and it says, you call me out beyond the waters. Do you know that living a life of faith is not a safe, comfortable life? It's a out of the boat, bid me come to you kind of life. And you know, I've been in situations that have been a little challenging. I told you about the Congo this morning. You know, I might get to tell you about how I was shot at. But I remember this one particular time that I went to the Congo, as I shared with some of you who heard it. And we got off the plane and we'd been traveling 16 hours. We were uh, 26 hours, sorry. We were hot. We were tired. We arrived there. It's not lavish. It's not great. You walk in and everybody's pulling you and prodding you. And the guy that, I, that invited me to come <clears throat> didn't show up. He wasn't there yet. And, you know, they were trying to give extra money to Javis for yellow fever. And they took our passports and our luggage didn't arrive. And it was just a mess. And I was just thinking, you know, there's only one flight in and out of this place. Let's catch this same plane out. And so we were there at the airport, and this head of security comes up and says, oh, you know, I want to greet you to the Congo. You know, Pastor Israel is running late. I said, listen, I came 26 hours, and he's late? So, you know, the grace of God was not evident in my life. And so they stuck me in an air-conditioned room, because that's what you do with a white woman who's angry. They stuck me in an air-conditioned room. They said, just wait in here, and we'll see what we can do. And this guy came in with a, a, a camera, a video camera, all duct taped together and a power cord going who knows where. And he sticks it in my face and he says, what do you think of the Congo? I am so capable of telling him. So I said to him, so who are you? He said, I'm Congolese television. And I thought that'd be right. You haven't even got a real camera. (laughs) What do you think of the Congo? And I felt the whisper of the Holy Spirit. Be careful. Pretty sure that was the Holy Spirit. So I just looked in the camera and said, God has sent me here to raise up the Josephs in this nation. You know, this is a rich resource nation, and I believe that God wants to bless it and use the resources for the kingdom and just shared a whole lot of stuff I felt God on my, had on my heart. And really what I was saying, God, if I share it to this little, little camera, can I get out of here? So I shared it to this camera and, you know, eventually Pastor Israel came and they started taking us around everywhere. Our luggage didn't arrive till we left. 
of course. So I had one dress, um, and at the end of it, they gave me like 10 dresses. I said, didn't you realize at the beginning I need, oh, we realize you love this dress to preach in and to eat in and to walk around in for five days, but now we have dresses for you. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, how am I gonna wear these dresses anywhere else? Anyway, that's a side story. So they were following us around, and because I go to prisons in Nigeria, they assumed I'd wanna go to a prison in the Congo. I don't know why they assumed that. So we go into this prison, and um, there's a woman's prison on that side, but I always go to the high-security men's prison, and we go in, and we're meeting all these people there, and then we met this guy who's not even recorded. So he got the president of the country upset by something he said, so he was thrown in jail with a couple of other people. Their names are not recorded. That means they're not coming up for trial anytime. They just, he's been there for two years. You know, so we were kind of talking and praying with him and we're leaving the compound and this little guy with the camera is somehow still following me everywhere. I don't know what it's plugged into. And anyway, we're following around and we get to drive out of the prison gates, which I'm so relieved about, and they shut the gates. I'm like, okay. And you know when you're in another country and you don't understand the language, you feel like there's a whole conspiracy. What's going on here? So Pastor Israel gets out, and we're in the van, and people say, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. And he gets back in the van, and he goes, the president has rung the prison and said, you are not to let them out of the prison until they say they will come and visit me. I'm like, let's go visit him. (laughs) You know, I didn't even know, oh yes, he asked if we'd visit him, but we said, no, you're too busy. I'm like, "You, you realize this is, you know, that he got into power by killing his dad. Like, this is not a person to upset. So anyway, they opened the gates and they let us out of the prison. And we now decided we're going to go to the presidential compound and visit everybody. So, you know, we're going to this compound. And I said to Pastor Israel, what should I do? He says, whatever God tells you. You know, in theory, that sounds great. But you kind of wish you'd had 24-7 week of prayer to get a download. So we go, to this, um, we go to this compound, which is sort of on the Congo River, and, and um, we go firstly, you start off, you see these sort of low people, and then you kind of move up to the president. So we saw this guy, who, and I said to Pastor Israel, who is this guy? And he said, oh, he just, he just helped us get a visa. Okay, so we go in there and, you know, there's 14 of us and there's, you know, obviously more of them, 20 of them. We have a policeman with a guard. They have 15 policemen with lots of guns. Um, And we're sitting there and, you know, he doesn't speak French. Uh, He speaks French, I don't. Yeah, that was clear. Um, And so we started to converse and I couldn't really understand him and he couldn't really understand me. So I was just chattering, doing all the things you're not supposed to do. Apparently he's supposed to speak and then I speak. But he speaks and then I speak back. And anyway, we were kind of having this weird conversation. And halfway through it, I felt God say, you should pray for him. Well, you know, that's kind of good when you're in church, but this isn't church. So I, I said um, at the end of it, so maybe we should pray. Okay. So everybody stands up. And um, so I said, you know, Pastor Israel, you're the pastor. You speak French and Lingali. Would you pray? Thinking that will give me a hint of whether anyone in this room knows Jesus. So he prays really eloquently, really loudly, and I understand not a word of it. So he's no help to me. So he's prayed, and so then I feel like, okay, I've got to pray for this particular Elaine, this prison official, uh, not pro, this, um, this uh, migration official who's just given us the visa. So I said to him, can I pray for you? He said, yes. Now, he's the one who commands all the guards around the room with the guns, right? So I said to him, why don't you kneel? 
because then he can't hit me. So he kneels down and I prayed and I laid hands and prayed on him. And the prayer went something like this. God has sent me to this nation for you. God has called you to be a Joseph. And you are going to get a promotion that is so unexpected that you are gonna know it's God. And you're gonna be in charge of resources and you're gonna do this and here's what the resources are for and just generally rabbit it on. Um, and he's sort of there kneeling, kneeling, kneeling. And then he gets up and he's crying. And I, I said to him, so do you know Jesus? And he said, uh, yes. I said, well, here's Pastor Israel. Here's your pastor. You know, and we kind of shook hands and it was all quite civil. And then we just kept on seeing people. You know, we went to a particular guy who pointed out the escape boat in the river. You know, and Blood Diamond is showing on the television, he's the Secretary of State. Brad Diamond was showing on his television and he says, oh, this is about the Congo. And I'm like, that's not a promo video. <laughs> so, and then I'm thinking, okay, if, if people storm the compound, do we go with them onto the escape boat or do we stay here? You know, all of those things are going on in your head. Anyway, we eventually talked to everybody, talked to the president, did the whole thing and, um, you know, presented him with the Australian flag. You know, I'd been to the reject shop presented him with some CDs and did the whole thing. Within five weeks, that guy got a promotion to be uh, from this guy that gave out visas to the head of the resource committee of the Congo. Now, they have, you know, coltane and gold and diamonds and trees and, you know, the resources of that nation is quite amazing. And he believes because of that, because I gave him this word that, you know, that um, God was working with him and that, God had given them, him this job. And so since then, we've had a great open door. You know, we've been lots of different places. We've seen lots of different happens. If we need a, a building to run things in or a stadium, he gives them to us. And the last time I was there, they said, um, oh, Elaine won't be able to see you this time, even though he's now, you know, got his own building and he's very important, multi-story building, and he's very important because the president is out of the country. So he's running parliament. I said, oh, yeah, no problem. Like, that sounds important. Um, so no problems if we can't meet. But no, no, he stops Parliament um, and comes to meet with me and we lay hands and pray for him. He's now the treasurer of the country and just pray for God's life and blessing on his life. I tell you that because of this. I never, ever, ever prayed for that to happen. I never expected for that to happen. You know what happens is this. You just put one foot in front of another doing what God's told you to do. And he opens doors that are beyond your expectation or frankly capacity. <laughs> one time I was meeting with Elaine in, in, um, in, in Kenya and um, he was saying, oh, we've got a, you know, a $7 billion contract to make roads. Would you like it? No? Do I look like I make roads? You know, oh, we're putting out this, you know, tenders and, you know, the Australian government contacted me to see if I could ask him if they could do this and that. All of these things happened because I just said yes to the opportunities that God opened up because it's not who I am that matters. It's who I belong to. I want to talk to you today about Empowered for Mission. You see, we just come through this great season of the church, Christmas, good news of great joy to all people. Isn't Christmas a great celebration? And then we have Easter, where you know it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And we see the resurrection and we realize that we serve a living, risen Savior. 
I want you to imagine for a moment that you're Peter and John and you've been hanging out with Jesus. Imagine how that would be. See, in those days, they didn't pick what school they went to, the teacher picked them. Imagine if that happened today. How many of us would get picked? Just a thought. So they were involved in their everyday business of fishing and Jesus says, come follow me, and they do. And so for three years, they are living and walking with Jesus. They are talking to Jesus. They are asking him any question. And he is trying to get through to them the fact that he has called them to make disciples. I shared this morning, I want to reiterate it again, that our purpose, the purpose of every person who comes to know Jesus Christ is evangelism. Matthew says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. You know, when I was pastoring a church and involved in things, I think God calls us as ministry gifts to the body of Christ, apostle, pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist. And it's easy to think, I've just got to do what he's called me to do. But then Paul said these frustrating words to Timothy, hey you, do the work of an evangelist. I'm not an evangelist, but I had to do the work of an evangelist. In fact, if you're doing the work of an evangelist, it's probably because it feels like hard work. So I remember thinking, what do I do? How can I make sure that every time I preach, that every time I share publicly, I'm sharing a story about how I've shared my faith? How can I make sure that my dentist is in church? How can I invite people along to church? How can I do the work of an evangelist? You see, we sometimes think that an evangelist is someone who gets up and preaches. Acts chapter eight tells us about this guy called Philip who was an evangelist. And he's in Samaria and he's having all these meetings and people are coming to faith and things are happening. And then the whisper comes to him, go down on the road from um, Jerusalem to to Jericho, to Gaza, was it? Sorry, I don't want to tell you which which road it was because, you know, the wrong road, you'll feel really bad. And I'll feel even worse. And then Pastor John will say her theology was wrong. (laughs) Acts chapter 8. I've been on this road. Why do I not know it? Just talk. Yeah, it was Gaza. Because who would want to go to Gaza? Yeah, they were going down the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. And I've been on that road. It's still a horrible road, right? They're still battling You know, the Holy Spirit, when he's leading you, only gives you some of the information. He doesn't say to Philip, here's what's gonna happen. So he's walking down this road thinking, did God tell me to come to this road because I was doing a bad job when I was preaching? Did God tell me to come to this road because he doesn't like me because it's hot and dusty and dirty? You see, when we are obeying the imperative of evangelism, it will take us places we don't understand why we're there. We don't understand what's going on. So he's walking down this road and a chariot comes past with an Ethiopian in it. Wouldn't that be lovely? What would you do? I would get in front of that chariot and say, listen, I'm here on a mission from God. I'm hot, I'm tired, I'm thirsty. (laughs) But that would be the flesh. Philip is much more open than that and he just casually walks alongside the chariot. Mustn't have been going very fast. So he's walking alongside the chariot, and here's the interesting thing, he listens. Do you know what the imperative of evangelism is about? Listening. Seeing where people are on their journey and then cooperating with what God is doing. So this Ethiopian is reading, just coincidentally, 
the more I follow God and listen to the Holy Spirit, the more coincidences there are. And so he's reading this book about Isaiah and he goes, who is this guy talking about? People are carrying around questions and they're not random. They're invitations to engage. And so Philip goes, oh, would you like me to help you understand that? He goes, sure, come on up. And he gets in the chariot and they have a conversation. And then, you know, interestingly enough, the Ethiopians start saying to Philip, oh, well, you know, can I get baptized? Well, I don't know. Have you done the baptism class? Oh, I don't know. We don't have a Baptist church here. We don't have a font. We don't have a T-shirt. We don't have towels. Like, there is a whole lot of problems with this guy getting baptized, not least of which in the back of Philip's mind is circumcision. This guy's a eunuch. Does that mean he was circumcised? Like, there's a whole lot of theology going on in the background, right? Or is that just me? So he gets baptized and he goes off and Philip goes off and history tells us that Ethiopia saw a great revival. The imperative of evangelism will take us places we never expected to go. But when we're there, it will be the power, the indwelling, the infilling of the Holy Spirit that helps us. Acts 10 puts it this way, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Doesn't that sound great? Jesus of Nazareth was his earthly name, like saying Melinda from Kalanga, because that's where I was born, Kalanga. I know, I'm sorry. Jesus, God anointed, the omnipotent God of the universe anointed the ordinary name, the non-son of God, fully man name, Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now, there's no full stop after that. So God doesn't just anoint our ordinary with the Holy Spirit and with power because he can. He does it for purpose. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and Jesus went around. Do you know what we're called to do? Go around. Not sit and wait for them to come to us. Jesus went around. He took the initiative to go where people were. He took the initiative to sit by wells and talk to women. He took the initiative to go to pools and find people that needed a miracle. He took the initiative to say to people, my favorite, come on down, I'm coming to your place for dinner. I don't like cooking. I think that's a great one. Jesus went around doing good. It wasn't a one size fits all. It was what was good for that person. Jesus went around doing good. Now, some people in the church world try and put a full stop there too. Oh, we need to go around doing good. No, it's not just doing good. It's doing good in Jesus' name, right? There's a purpose behind it. Jesus went around doing good and bringing healing to all who are oppressed by the enemy for God was with him. When you and I go around in our everyday lives, we should be carrying the presence of God and seeking to do good and to bring healing, to cross the divide to people who feel discriminated against, to speak to people who feel marginalized, to talk to people that are lonely. How do we do it? Because of the power of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. I was walking through a shopping centre a while ago, you know, because now I do online, and um, there was this guy just sitting there, this kind of surfer dude, looked really cool, had the, you know, the big headphones, <coughs> and there was something about him that just kind of got my attention. 
And I just thought I should go over and talk to him. So I went over and kind of stood in front of him. And you know when someone like me stands in front of someone like that, they just look every other way, pretending they don't see you, like you're invisible. <coughs> and so I'm there and I'm talking, I said to the guy, hey, and he wasn't gonna to talk to me. Can I get some water, would you mind? I'm sorry, I think I might have been doing too much talking today. And you know what, if we give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name, we get a great reward, right? Oh, Liza, you're a star, thank you. So I went up, and so, you know, I'm not suggesting you do this, but I pulled his headphone up and said, hi. Yeah. You're already feeling embarrassed for him, aren't you? Your sympathy is all with him. So I said, hi. And, you know, mm, he kind of grunted. And I said, we don't know each other. I always feel it's good to say that because, you know, I don't know, just in case he, he, anyway, whatever. We don't know each other, but I believe in God. Yet another grunt. You know, I often tell people I believe in God. No one has ever said, yeah, me too. No one's ever said no. They're all just too shocked. So I believe in God. And I, and I said, you know, I just think God wants you to know this. And I told him something about his sister. And I said, you know, you need to think about that. Can I pray for you? And again, didn't get a yes, didn't get a no, pretty standard. So I just take that as a, you know, a grunt is whatever I want it to be. So I just said, dear God, I pray for this young man. Pray for his sister that you will let them know that you know where they are and you care about them. Anyway, he eventually said, because had you know I had a sister? I said, I don't know anything about you, but God loves you enough to tell you that. You need to think about that. And I went off, because I had to go and get my shopping. Now, some of you will say, why didn't you stay and pray with him and lead him to Jesus? Well, what are you people gonna do? <laughs> you see, we're links in the chain. We're links in the chain that help people come to faith. And so when the Holy Spirit asks us to do something, we just step out and do it by the power and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And some of you are going, what if it's not God? What if it is God? What if? Here's what I decided. I don't want the Holy Spirit to stop whispering to me or prompting me. So even if I think it might be God, I'm gonna give it a shot. I'm just gonna give it a shot. And you never know what God wants to do because he's more interested in the people he's getting the message to than how you feel about yourself. He's going to take you places you never expected to go. I remember this one time I was going to prisons and um, we're in Nigeria and we're out in the country and we're in this, you know, I'm allowed to go into prisons because some Muslim chief of prisons said so. And you know, I've got this prison chaplain that takes me places. So we're in this prison, it's medium security, there's four and a half thousand guys in this yard and you know, they, they are just shut away at night but during the day they're out. And so we went to see the prison commandant, whatever he is, um, and he said, you know, yes, you can go into this prison because the chief of prison said you should, but we're not sending any guards in with you. Interesting. So we're standing at this tin door and you have to step over the door and I carry a policeman with me, I'm not sure why, and, um, and he's there and he's holding and grabbing my arm and saying, please don't go in there, no, please don't go in there. He said, I, I can't come and get you. You know, I'm, we're only allowed this side, that's the prison. Please don't go in there, which is just a really comforting thing. Um, and I'm looking at my prison chaplain and he's going, you know, it'll be okay. And I thought, it's okay for you, is it okay for me? Um, and he said, God will be with us. You know, in that moment of time, you really know whether you believe in God or not. So we stepped over this little thing into this prison and we start to walk. And you know, there's, there's Artie and me. 
And uh, we're just kind of walking along and, you know, there's four and a half thousand guys, not all of whom are innocent. So it's interesting and we start to attract a crowd. And this big guy just starts to walk along beside me. Maybe he's six foot plus, he's got this sort of brown, you know, Nigerian dress on. And um, he just nods at me and I nod at him. And that's about it. And he's kind of not too close, but he's not too far away. Does that make sense? So we're just walking along and anyway, we go into the middle and of course we start a riot. There's thousands of guys running to see what's happening. Then the, then the guards come and I'm there thinking, okay, so if the guards don't get here in time, where am I gonna hide? Like, you know, all of these things, just because you're following God doesn't mean you don't have fears. Just because you're following God doesn't mean you're not second guessing what's happened. So we're there and um, you know, got up and, and, and preached or whatever I did. And um, at the end of it, I, I just felt, again, what am I supposed to do in this prison? So there was this one guy that stood out to me about maybe 20 rows down. So at the end of the preach, everybody's sort of jostling around. I just go down and say hello to this guy, shake his hand, he shakes my hand. We chat, there's not a lot of chat, you know, like, how are you, what's been happening, not much, been here, like there's just not a lot, but it was just a bit of a chit chat, I said good to meet you, he just, you feel like he knew Jesus, he just had that sort of look about him. We walk out of the, we walk out of the compound, my, my six foot guy is still just kind of walking alongside me, we walk out of the gates and, um, and I said to Artie, that was a miracle, you know, God was with us, you know, and, and um, who was the guy walking alongside us? And he goes, what guy? And I described him, he goes, there was no guy there. Oh, no, no, I saw a guy. Anyway, he just ignores me. And so we're walking out of the prison and I just turned around and I said, we are not allowing that prison commander to win. So we just need to pray for him. Ali looks at me. So I just said, God, I just pray for that prison commander. Either change his heart or remove him because that prison needs you. Really simple prayer. Found out two years later, two weeks later, that guy got the sack. You see, when we pray, things happen. We just don't always know it. Found out that that guy walking beside me, no one else had seen. Interesting. Found out that the guy that I went and spoke to had been in the papers that week because he was wrongly accused of fraud in Thailand. He was brought back to Nigeria. He was jailed for 25 years. The guy who accused him recanted and said that he'd lied. And so they'd made this big thing about how they'd released this guy and they said sorry to him, but the guy was still in jail. And they heard that I went and spoke to him and thought somehow I was representing the UN, who knows who I was representing, and that I was there to explore that this guy needed to get out of jail. So the next day, he gets out of jail. <laughs> you see, the Holy Spirit is at work in this whole complicated jig sport, and he just wants us to do our little bit. We receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon us. The third thing that happened on Pentecost was, you know, after, of course, we realized the importance um, of our purpose, the imperative evangelism, the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to then pursue the opportunities that God creates for us. Pursue the opportunities God creates. Just wake up in the morning and say, God, if you create an opportunity for me today, I'll take it. I like to put the work on the Holy Spirit. Don't you? I think it's much easier than me getting up on a soapbox. I just say, hey, if you give me an opportunity, I'll take it. Do you know what? He does. He does. He does. 
He does. I remember I was reminding of Pastor Murray Avel here and he could attest to that. I was on a plane to Brisbane once and sitting next to this guy and, you know, he was kind of a big guy and so we were, we were fighting over the armrest, you know, that little tussle that happens on planes. And then somehow we started a conversation, which is, you know, and so we're having this conversation and going on and on and found a whole lot of mutual things we had in common. The end of it, he said, what are you up here for? I'm up here, we're going to Pastor Murray's church. And, you know, uh, we're going to a church of a friend and, you know, myself and another guy going there. And um, he goes, oh, that's interesting. Didn't say anything else. About 10 minutes later, he says, you know, the girlfriend that I'm going to visit, she goes to a church. Does she? That's interesting. I've never been to that church. Oh, maybe you should go along. He said, in fact, you're only the second person I think I've met that goes to any kind of church. I said, and aren't we great? You know, you've got your girlfriend and me. What more could you want? So we're chatting, we're walking off the plane, and he said, what church is it that you're going to? And we said, oh, it's Nexus Church. He goes, I thought that was the case. That's where she goes. I said, you know, I haven't preached at that church before. Would you just go and be a friendly face? Would you just come along? And if I'm doing a good job, would you go like this? If I'm doing a bad job, would you go finish it up now? Or at least just say hello. And he came along to that church service. I haven't followed through the story what happened. But what I know is that God connects us with people. Supernaturally. He creates opportunities. We just have to seize those opportunities. As we said this morning, imagine if we made Jesus' last command our first priority. When I'm thinking about inviting people to Alpha, I write down three names of people I know will never come. Three names of people that might come and three names of people, I don't even know who they are. In fact, you could try it on your phone right now if you like. You could get out your phone and you could write down three people you know would never come to Alpha. Three people that might come. Three people you have no clue, but they're really important in your life. You know, like the barista that you get your coffee from. They look at you, think flat white, you grant thanks. It's a relationship. <laughs> and then say, why don't I invite them all? Because every time we invite them, we're moving around the clock face of faith. So one of the people that was on my no list is um, you know, a, a business guy who I don't know very well. You know, he's, he was, um, you know, his family were very involved in a football club. Anyway, whoever. He, there was a lot of things about him I thought, he would never come to Alpha. So I made an appointment to see him in his office. And I remember going to his office and it was kind of weird, what am I doing here? You know, and so I said, oh, you know, just get straight to, the, straight to the chase, Simon. I just thought I'd come and say, would you like to come to Alpha? And he looked at me and I looked at him. And there was that deathly silence. Remember, would you like to come to Alpha? Step two, shut up. Be quiet, sorry. Apologize for using that language in church, be quiet. And I'm sitting on my hands so I don't talk. Because if I can't use my hands, I can't interrupt, right? So I'm just sitting there waiting to see what he says. And he goes, Alpha, Alpha, Alpha. And I'm thinking, well, at least he's got the word right. <laughs> and he said, is that, is that a question mark with a kind of a guy holding it? I said, yeah, it was, but we ditched the guy. <laughs> we just got the question mark. He said something to me. He said, you know, I have seen that sign all around the world and wondered how I could go to that. I was so shocked. 
I didn't have an alpha to invite him to because he was just my no list. I was just ticking him off the notes. He wasn't supposed to say yes. He jumped the list. <laughs> he since has done alpha. Somewhere we found one for him. You never know what God might do. So you pursue the opportunity. You know, in this time, as we think about the book of Acts, it's a time of pruning. It's a time of God refreshing the church. It's a kind of us going back to basics. You know, when we think about Acts 2, it says after the church was birthed, they devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. For you and I, as we come out of this COVID season, we're doing a bit of a reset with our church, aren't we? We're doing a bit of a, hey, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not going to go as often as I did. Maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to do that. Do you know what we need to prune? Activity that doesn't lead to fruitfulness. Do you know what we need to prune? Everything that doesn't make disciples. Do you know what we need to prune? Things that distract us from evangelism. Because what happens is our life gets so filled up with stuff. But Jesus wants to refresh his church, to bring us back to what really matters, to coming together. You know, again, last plug for Alpha, possibly or possibly not. Alpha is the charisma. It's the gospel that everybody agrees upon. So when you, if you're Catholic or you're Anglican or whatever background, hey, yeah, it's the gospel we all agree upon. It's part of going back to first principles. It's a part of refreshing. We had a last story maybe, we were, we were building a house quite a while ago and we had a very well-known decorator that was helping us, you know, he wasn't helping us, we were just working for him, let's be frank. And so he was telling us all this stuff and, and he and his same-sex partner were in business together and they were a bit sceptical of me at first because I was a minister and, you know, gradually we get to know each other, you know, bonding over hog bristle paint. And... Um, And he said to me, you know, would you, would you marry us? This was back at when there was the early days of possible marriage of same-sex couples. And I go, oh, that's an interesting question. Well, let's just go on the journey. <laughs> well, let's just go on the journey about that. And then they asked about Alpha, and I said, oh, yeah. Why don't you run an Alpha for all your friends? That would be just fantastic. So we were in the process of planning that. And he came to me one day, he, you know, very, very flamboyant character. And he goes, Melinda, I used your name. I'm like, okay, great. Where, where, where did you use it, Stuart? Where, where? You know? He goes, well, I was in a situation and I was praying and I said, God, help me. And he said, and then I said, God of Melinda, help me. <laughs> I went and did it work. And he goes, and it worked. I said, that's fantastic. Now let me tell you a better name. So I told him about Jesus you know, and how at the name of Jesus that things happen and change. And I said, the Bible says, those who call on the name of Jesus will come into a relationship with God because of what he's done. It was a really simple thing and we went back to paint colors. It was maybe three days later. My husband was reading the paper, it was a while ago, and they found out that, um, that, that this friend of ours, Stuart, had been murdered by his same-sex partner and the same-sex partner went to jail. It was only a few days later from me telling him about the name of Jesus. And I thought, he, it, was, it was a slow death, whatever the circumstances, he had time to call on the name of Jesus. I was so grateful that I'd taken the time to tell him his name to call. 
You see, we have to take the opportunity to share what really matters, to point people to Jesus, to help them know about Jesus, to come back to what the essence of the gospel is. Because the last thing we have to do is be people who are pure in heart. You know what I like about Acts chapter two? It's followed by Acts chapter three. And there's these two guys, Peter and John, and they're going into the synagogue. You're gonna have the band up. It's very lonely up here. You have the band up. And they're going into the synagogue. They are doing the same thing they had done every day. They were going to the same place. They'd probably gone most of their life. They were seeing the same people. This guy was there and he was begging and he said, please, please, please help me. And Peter looks at him. You know what the Holy Spirit does? He helps us to see people differently. And he looks at him and he goes, silver and gold, we don't have any. Why? Because they'd done what they told everybody else to. They'd given away their money, they had all things common. And he said, silver and gold we don't have but what we have, we give. What we have, we give. What we have, we give. Do you know why we keep praying, come Holy Spirit? So we can be filled with the power of God and we have something to give. So that as we're walking in integrity, we have something to give. We are able to give what we have to others. So I wonder if you just stand with me as we close. You know, I love the most ancient prayer of the church, come Holy Spirit. And they prayed it day after day after day after day after day after day, and he did. He came and told Philip what road to walk down. He came and he opened Peter and John's eyes to people they'd walk past every day. He came and Peter was able to say, hey Jesus, if that's really you, would you bid me come to you? Peter, the guy who denied Jesus, stood up on the day of Pentecost and the church was founded, not because he was a courageous person, but because the Holy Spirit worked through him. What do you have tonight? What do you have? As we pray just a few times in a row, come Holy Spirit, I want to invite you to invite the Holy Spirit to just come, to fill you with His love to fill you with His grace, to fill you with His power. Perhaps you've spoken in a language, a prayer language that God has given you between you and God. You might wanna pray in that language. Pray out loud in that language and just say, God, I want you to build up my inner person. I want you to build me up. If you've never spoken in that language, tonight's the night. If we ask God for fish, He won't give us a stone. And as you're just praying and worshipping, you'll find yourself speaking in a language you've never learned. And it'll kind of like a kid, you know, when they first start saying things, it feels like they're repeating themselves because they are. Good kids say, mum, mum, mum. My kids said, dad, dad, dad. <laughs> but they start to say things and they start, and then the language develops. Our language between us and God develops. And the Bible says the more we develop it, the more His life flows through us the more strength, the more empowering of the Holy Spirit we have, that we're able to say, what I have, I give. What I have, I give. Would you close your eyes? Because obviously this band is so attractive. They're distracting. And would you just open your hands? It's kind of just a physical sign of that openness to God. It says, God, I'm open to you. God, I'm open to you. And we're gonna pray at least three times. We're gonna pray three times. Come Holy Spirit. 
And then we're just going to, out loud, just pray and worship God. We might sing in the background. But I want to invite you to pray in the language of the Holy Spirit, either for the first time or for a time where you haven't done it for a while or just as part of your regular practice, just to pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and allow his power to fill you. Let's pray together, shall we? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Can I make a suggestion? Why don't we pray out loud, come, Holy Spirit? That was a quiet, come, Holy Spirit. If you can't pray loudly in here, where can you? I'm not saying you have to. I'm just inviting you and encouraging you to. Let's try it again. Three more comes, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Kiana varada barokaria. Shiana varada barokaria. Mora varada barakaria. Kora varada barakaria. Kiana varada barokaria. Mora varakara. Kiana barokaria. Shiana varamora karada barokaria. Kiana barokaria. Holy Spirit, come. Let your life flow through us. Kiana vara. Mora varada barokaria. Let your refreshing flow through us. Holy Spirit, would you baptize us in the love of Jesus? Kiana bo. Mora varada barokaria. Shiana varada barokaria. Kora varada barokaria. Kora varada barokaria. Kiana varada barokaria. Let's just worship Him together, shall we? Let's just praise and honour and glorify the name of Jesus together. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.